So let's pray. Father, we are uh, so grateful to be here, gathered as a family. Lord, we ask you to bless this evening, bless our time together. We're grateful for the freedom that we have that only comes from you. So thank you, Lord, for sending Jesus, for uh, him setting us free from the law of sin and death, and for allowing us to live as a new creation. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Psalm 133. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Amen. I did see today, if there couldn't be even better news, that Bud Light is now out of the top 10 best beer, highest sold beers. Like it's just on a, it's on a catastrophic plummet to the center of the earth. I could not be happier about this. Because it's, it, the reason I couldn't be happier other than it's just delightfully funny is that in general, conservative boycotts don't work. Aaron Wren, I think I mentioned this to some of you guys, did a, did a thing about, in general, conservative boycotts don't work because they don't organize in the same, like, really angry, let's burn the city down in mostly peaceful protest ways that the left usually does. And so what I'm encouraged about with Bud Light and Target is it actually shows you that there is a silent majority. There are people that are so afraid to speak out, but they will vote with their dollars. And that's really important because people are fed up with the mutilation of children and, and the, the monetization of it all, right? Somebody said recently we should start calling it LGBTQ dollar sign. Just drop the plus and just add the dollars. Maybe you could do like in Spanish where you have the explanation point at the beginning and the end. Maybe you could just run the dollar sign at the beginning and the end of it because that's what it's all about. And it's good to see, it's good to see the, the economic consequences of capitalism taking, taking place for buying into what is, what is basically evil ideals. So I am encouraged that Bud Light continues to fall lower and lower and lower. Good evening. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's good to see everybody. I hope everyone had a good 4th of July. I think I asked everybody how it was. We all counted digits. You have the same number of fingers and toes as you started with, I hope. So we're going to begin tonight with some history. What were we celebrating on the 4th of July? Ooh, our independence. From what? Of who? Tyrants. The king. England. Tyranny. July 4th. The what? State-run church. Actually, I sent an article out on the Signal Group about a comment that an archbishop in the Anglican Communion in the Church of England sent or said uh, today or yesterday that Father in the Lord's Prayer could be construed as patriarchal and potentially offensive and the Church of England is looking towards gender-neutral language for God. If you don't believe Clown World is here, that's what a man with a very silly hat said. Yeah, it's crazy. It's totally crazy. July 4th, 1776 is the day that the Declaration of Independence was signed. And so what did it declare? Like Jared said, it declared our freedom from England, from tyrannical rule. They actually also called it, I think I mentioned this last week, the Presbyterian Rebellion. And since I'm a Presbyterian and I like rebellious things, I'm on board with calling it the Presbyterian Rebellion. But it was a declaration of freedom, and that declaration of freedom came with a price. I'm teaching economics and government. To, as a high school elective next year. And so I've got, actually one of the textbooks is just the founding documents, which is really cool. So I thought, 
because I probably haven't read the Declaration of Independence in its entirety in quite a bit of time. I would read it all, and I read it all yesterday when I was preparing this. It's actually a really incredible document. And as I was reading it, there were a couple things I was thinking about that I wanted to share with us as we talk about freedom tonight. So there's, there's two, two parts that we're going to look at inside the Declaration of Independence, and we're going to talk about what real freedom is. And in the thesis, that the idea tonight is that there is actually no real freedom outside the freedom from Jesus. That there's no actual freedom outside of the freedom from Jesus. The only freedom we can have, whether it's as a world, or a nation, or a community, or even as an individual, comes from Christ. So Jesus has to be the starting point when we discuss freedom. And the founders of the United States of America knew this. They knew this. And if you look at the first sentence of paragraph 2, and it's the one that most people have memorized, but if you look at the first sentence of paragraph 2 of the Declaration of Independence, it says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I love that the beginning of its truth, there was a time when our country still believed in truth. And things were either true or they were false, not in the weird feelings-based, my personal truth world we live in now. But it was more than that. It was founded on truth. Truth that is self-evident. It's pretty interesting, those words that they use, because we, we would call this common grace. We would call this God's common grace. But this is truth that is self-evident, which means everybody can see it. Every single person can see these truths that are self-evident, which is that all men are created equal. And from our Creator are given certain unalienable rights, which include a right to life. To liberty and to the pursuit of happiness. I like that it doesn't say there's a guarantee of happiness. To the guarantee of happiness. And it should be easy. And you may live in your parents' basement until you're 26. No, you can't do those things. But the point is, these truths, these truths, they come from these rights, these truths, they come from a creator. They don't come from a government. They don't come from a religious leader. They don't come from tyrants, for sure. They come from God. And our founders acknowledge that so much so that if you read the last paragraph, I'm going to read the whole last paragraph here. It says, We, therefore, the representatives, representatives of the United States of America, in general Congress assembled, Appealing to the supreme judge of the world, pause there, for the rectitude of our intentions, do in the name and by authority of the good people of these colonies, solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are, and of right ought to be free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown, and that all political connection between the state of Great Britain is, is and ought to be totally dissolved, and that as free and independent states... They have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. That last sentence again, and for the support of this declaration, we, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence. You see, freedoms and liberties come from a creator. And the men here weren't relying on their own. They didn't say, and we shall fight and build this on our own hard work and strength. But on the reliance 
of divine providence, on the trust of divine providence. When they talk about the supreme judge, they're not talking about a supreme court justice. They're talking about God, the supreme judge of all. All of these freedoms come from the will and the hand of God, which means we should talk about freedom. Because we know that freedom is an important part of American founding. We wear shirts that are red, white, and awesome, and blue. <laughs> no, 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 not this week. <laughs> Ungrateful colonials. Um, oh, sorry. It's, is that the reason I had to go to work for part of the day on the 4th of July was to like make penance for the British part of me? That's what I thought. You're right, all the call, definitely all the colonization. So we know that freedom is the important part of the American founding. We know it's an important part of, of people that love the republic as it was founded. But we also know that our faith as Christians rests higher than our politics. It is always God above country. It's not country above God. Our faith actually directs the political decisions that we make, the business decisions that we make, the medical decisions that we make, not the other way around. We don't let those things direct our faith. So obviously we here, and especially we as a church, we want America to be restored to a country that bends the knee to Christ. We want to go back to the original intent of the people who founded the country. Just like I believe fulfilling the Great Commission to every nation in the world ends with them bowing, bending the knee to Christ. That's what is required of the Great Commission. Doug Wilson says, and I think it's kind of funny and it's true, he said we should make America a Christian again. We should, I think somebody made some Make America Christian Again hats at one point as well. But this understanding of freedom has to be bigger than just the, the political social construct that we think about it when we talk about things like free speech and things like the freedom to do and gather like we are here. We, we have to actually talk about real freedom and that, that, that's, that's true freedom, which is godly freedom. We have to look at what God means by freedom. And it's important when we think about theonomy, when we think about theonomic approaches, and as, as we, we are here building God's kingdom here and the work that we are doing. Because nobody actually wants just like cookie-cutter little Americas everywhere. But like I said earlier, we want every nation to bend the knee to Christ with their unique flavor and, and cultural differences, but acknowledging that Christ is Lord, that Jesus is King, and everybody's submitting to Him. Why? And we've talked about this a bunch, but it's because everybody worships something. You were actually designed to worship. So if, if you don't worship Jesus, then you worship something else in Jesus' place. If our leaders don't worship Jesus, then they worship something else in his place, which is usually themselves. And see, what's amazing is if you look at true Christian values, they always lead to equality and freedom. True Christian values always lead to equality and freedom. And we, we see that in the founding of America. We also see that in Abraham Kuyper's leadership of the Netherlands. He was a, a Calvinist who brought his Calvinism uh, into leadership in the Netherlands. And he, so he, he led kind of a, a Christian theonomic government there, and it was incredibly successful. And why? Well, if we look at Paul's words, which is Galatians 5.1, Paul says, he says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. It is for freedom that Christ sets you free. So let's look at that. Let's break down what this, this one sentence in Galatians, kind of break it apart, and I think it'll give us some answers of what freedom really means. 
So if we had read the verses previous to 5.1, at the end of chapter 4, Paul tells the Galatians that they are actually born of the free woman. There's some imagery that's taking place about being born into slavery and born into freedom. And so free from the oppression of the law of the Pharisees, you know, the, the men who were bastardizing God's law, they were men who wanted to become gods of their own, little g-gods, right? Power and control. Freedom from all of this. And so let's look at what it says in Galatians 4, 21 through 31. It says, Paul says, Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born according to the promise. Now this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and she corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother, for it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear, break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor, for the children of the desolate one will become more than those of the one who has a husband. Now you, brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, so also it is now. What does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit um, with the son of the free woman. So brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. The church and the members of the church, Gentiles grafted in, Israel... The new Israel, the church, are children of promise, born of the free woman, not born of the slave. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to, the yoke, to a yoke of slavery. So we are born free, and we stand firm because we are free. This word for freedom, eleutheria, means liberty, or just freedom. Eleven times it's used in the Old Testament or New Testament. It's mostly in Paul's letters, and it usually has connotations of spiritual freedom. It, what I would call true freedom. So let's look at how it's used in some other verses. In Romans eight twenty one, we see the same word, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to the corruption and obtain the, the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Freedom of the glory of the children of God set free from bondage. 2 Corinthians 3.17 Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's pretty clear. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Why is this? Well, it's simple. And you all know this as believers. It's because Christ has separated you from the penalty of the law. See, there's always a price to be paid for freedom. You don't get to just like declare independence. I, anytime anybody declares anything for you who have watched The Office, all I can think of is Michael Scott declaring bankruptcy. I declare bankruptcy! You can't just declare it. If, if you are to go declare freedom, there's going to be a price to be paid. There's going to be a war that has to be fought. There's a war against the tyrants who don't want you to be free. Men paid a price with their life for the freedom that we have here today. And they're still paying it. Freedom isn't free. You see, it's ironic that those who complain the most about the freedom we have in America 
miss the whole point, the fact that they're allowed to complain about the freedom that we have in America. In some countries, they would be put in a re-education truck for that. And then they put the rest of your family in a re-education truck. And you could spend the rest of your time in a North Korean gulag. I don't even know what hand-banging out brass buttons for Kim Jong-un's uniform or whatever they've got. I mean, it's, it's terrible, right? There's no freedom. So you have a country here where people can speak out against the government that they claim shouldn't be free. But we know this. We know that there is a price to be paid for freedom. We know that here in the U.S., but on a grander scale, on a spiritual scale, we know that with Jesus. Jesus paid the greatest price ever so that we could have freedom. Romans 3.23, Paul says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're going to talk about more, more of that tomorrow at Sunday School. So we cannot actually be free of our own volition because we deserve death. We've sinned against a perfect God. So how can you be free? You can't just go declare it. Are you going to fight a war against God? That's not going to go very well. So how can we be free? Probably the most memorized verse in the Bible. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And 1 John 2 uh, 2.12 Oh, sorry, 1 John 2.2 He is the uh, propitiation for our sins and not for ours only but also for the sins of the whole world. The propitiation. You see, Jesus died in our place. He paid our price. For, for us to be truly free, a price had to be paid, and Jesus paid the price. He died the death that all of you should die so that you could have freedom. The Son of God, perfect, was executed in your place. I think that should be like anyone's response to any time they say life isn't fair. <laughs> but they nailed Christ to a tree. <laughs> Shut up. You don't get to complain that life isn't fair. God dies in our place so that we could have freedom from the yoke of the law and the yoke of sin and death. He, he, he puts death to death. He crushes the devil's head. Romans 6, 20 through 23. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free... From sin and become slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You have been made free by the blood of Jesus. You have been removed from the authority of all of the little G gods that boss you around and tell you what to do. You have been removed free from the, the unrighteous pharisaical law. You have been removed from the yoke of slavery. You see, we're free from this yoke that the secular world is running around like it's, it's crushing them all the time, right? This is the real yoke of oppression. Like All of this silliness, I'm only going to call it die now, not D-I-E. Diversity, inclusion, and equity, die. All of this stupidity, right, creates all of this division. And it actually oppresses people even greater because what are they slaves to? They're slaves to their acronyms. They're slaves to their brands. They're slaves to their vanity and their selfishness and their lust and their hatred and their division. 
even this last week, if you guys watch what's going on in Paris, it's insane. Burning Paris down. Um, go, go watch rioting. Watch people capturing this stuff with videos. You, you can see they're slaves to these things. There's no freedom in that. You see, you can't legislate your way to freedom anyways. We all know that here, that you cannot legislate your way to freedom. If we could legislate our way to freedom, think about how many laws we have in the books right now. We should be the freest people in the whole world. There is literally a law for everything, including how much water from God's sky you can catch in Denver in a bucket. <laughs> we live in this like big government nanny state right now. Do you really feel like you're more free? Should be freer? I think either. What do we think? Freer or more free? Freer. Either way. It's quite the opposite. We all know that we're not freer or more free right now as, as more and more oppressive laws. I, I saw today that uh, a couple kids misgendered a, a kid, which is impossible to do, by the way. That's not actually a thing. In California, which I'm not even sure is a place, it's surrounded by reality on some other sides. It's such a pretty place, though. It's a shame. And so now these kids have to get re-educated go to sensitivity training because of, the, of a misgendering a, a event that took place in a middle school or a high school. I don't remember which one it was. You cannot legislate yourself to freedom. It just becomes more and more oppressive. See, the only way we get real freedom is when pe people bend the knee to Jesus. And, and, and they acknowledge who's really in control and who they serve. Who created right and wrong. You don't actually need the government to boss you around and tell you everything to do if you know who's in charge, which is God, and you're aware of his law. And you're within communities that hold each other accountable. That's why we have discipline in the church, things like that. That all makes sense. Like it's common sense stuff. We all know this. But it's also important to point out that we are all actually slaves to something. Second Peter 2:19, they promise them, they promise them freedom, same word, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. We can't say the word slavery either because that's a culturally insensitive word. But it's true. Everybody is a slave to something. You are a slave to God or you're a slave to your job or your bank account or your family or your hobbies or sex or the internet or video games and on and on and on and on and on and on. But if you're in Christ and you're a slave to Christ, he, that slavery actually sets you free. This is, this is the paradox of God's universe. This is It's incredible. Being a slave of Jesus sets you free. Being a slave of the world kills you. It's really incredible. I was a slave to everything but God for a really long time, right? And it showed in my life, in the way I carried myself. God gives us freedom in Christ to set us free from the yoke of slavery. And all it requires from us is faith in Him. And then there's this other beautiful byproduct out of that. Not only does it provide us peace with God because we're justified before God, but it also allows us true peace, contentment. The one who realizes that their freedom comes from Jesus is content because no matter what circumstance you are in, nobody can take your freedom from you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're in the gulag. It doesn't matter if you're in America. It doesn't matter if you're in Iran. It doesn't matter if you're in South America, on the moon, the International Space Station. Nobody can take your freedom that Christ has given you away from you. I was trying to make, I was going to make a fly, I was looking at you because I was going to make a, the earth's not flat comment, but I didn't have a way to work it in. So the point is that people can persecute you. 
They can destroy your worldly name. They can kill you. They could take your job. They could cancel your Twitter account. I thought it was funny that Mark Zuckerberg made a new app that looks identical to a different app, but started censoring people like in the first three minutes. We're here to be kinder. Everyone's censored. It's working out good. They can cancel your, what's the, what's the new one called? Threads. Threads. They can cancel your Threads account. But they can't take Christ from you. We're going to talk a little bit more tomorrow at church about how we come to faith. And one of the beautiful things about being in faith in Jesus is you can't be out of faith. It's not like the, the plug in the movie Airplane when they're turning the lights on the airport on and off. It's on and off. It's on and off. It's not like that. So you can, you can, you can die and then you just meet Jesus. <laughs> True freedom, this is true freedom that cannot be taken away from you. This is why many Christian martyrs sing hymns as they're dying, proclaiming the goodness and the glory of God. So the question then is, what do we do with this freedom that we have, that Christ has given us? Well, Paul and Peter, I think if they had married, they could have a band. <laughs> Paul gives us some clues, and so does Peter. Paul in Galatians 5.13, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. You are to use your freedom to serve one another through love. It's not just to, well, I'm just going to go do whatever I want. This isn't antinomianism. It's not just like, woo, there's no law, it's a party, woo. Just say I'm sorry on Sundays. Your freedom should drive you out to serve other people in love. Your freedom drives you to care for other people. 1 Peter 2.16 Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living servants as God. So Peter's giving a similar warning. Don't use your freedom to like cover up evil, blanking it over. We see this. People claim to be Christians in buildings that claim to be churches, and that they use freedom to cover up for evil. But again, he calls them servants, actually slaves of God, if we were to break that word apart. You're not allowed to be a slave to the world, they say, so instead you better be a slave to God. And that will give you true freedom. And then James always reminds us how we should act like it, too. James 2.12. So speak, and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. The same word, law of freedom, law of liberty. James reminds us that we have to take our faith out in action. He doesn't say we're saved by our works. He said we're built for good works. So the sign of your freedom is going out and loving and, and living as free men and free women. We are judged under the law of liberty. You are judged under how you were using this freedom that Christ gave you, not the yoke of slavery. So this is the beautiful news as we, we wind down here. You are all free men and free women, not because our founders deemed it so, because Jesus Christ did. And because Christ did, you can bring that same freedom like our founders did to places like America. Has to be God above country. The founders understood this. That's why they made sure that they put in our founding documents that our rights don't come from them. They come from God. That it wasn't just a bunch of guys that sat around a table and voted. See, that's how you get into weird, crazy, secular world. I, I read today that the Maine, the governor, the Maine of governor, the governor of Maine is signing legislation that will allow doctors in Maine to murder babies up until their delivery date. That is insane. 
That's what happens when people sit around a table and nobody's got the knee bent to Jesus and they're like, let's vote on what we should do. Ah, that baby's not a real person. That's insane and it's evil. That's not freedom, that's slavery. Our rights don't come from the government, they come from God. Our freedoms don't come from the government, they come from God. And this is very powerful. That's why we fly the Christian flag over there. Because we're one nation under God. I love my country. But I love my God more than I love my country because my God directs how I am to carry my faith out in this country and help rebuild here. God always has to be at top. He is the king above all other kings. And it makes sense because if we don't believe that, then we can't have any other freedom anywhere else. Because real liberty is knowing where the boundary markers are and then living within those, right? It's not fear out of, it's not out of just like fear of, fear of punitive punishment. It's fear and awe to glorify God. You're living within the boundary layers of God, or boundary markers that God has set because you're glorifying God, not because you're like hiding under the trampoline because he might strike you down at any moment. And when you live in the fear and awe of God, you don't need like big daddy nanny state to tell you how to live every moment of your life. And the really great thing, which is the ultimate irony for all these people in the diversity world, is that real diversity Real diversity comes from Christian liberty because Christian liberty brings all of these different cultures and experiences together with everyone bending the knee to Jesus. That's what makes us brothers and sisters. Uh, not tomorrow, but a week from tomorrow, we're going to talk about family, brothers and sisters in Christ and what that means because we are a family. And, and it's, it's a family that's really actually diverse because every single person in the family is a different image bearer of God. It has nothing to do with your skin color because that's not actually a thing in the history of ever until recently people got stupid right it, you you bring you can bring a dialect and you can bring a cuisine and you can bring a, a different flavor of worship while still worshiping the one true triune god together as brothers and sisters living as free men and women that's freedom and diversity everybody acknowledging that jesus is king and it's so much better because it's not like theonomy is not Christian robots and like a Protestant pope. That's silliness. Nobody wants that. It's, it's everybody recognizing who is Lord and then operating together as brothers and sisters in forgiveness and repentance and kingdom building within that. And there's no Nikes or Kool-Aid. So if you came here for Nikes and Kool-Aid, there won't be any of those. But what it is, what the freedom is, is it's living out a life as a servant of the King of Kings. It's loving and serving one another. And it's the remembrance for all of us that none of us can be free without Christ. For he has set you free from the wages of sin and death and made you a new creation. So my charge to all of you is to stand firm in your freedom. Let this be the glue that holds you to the ground in, in the weird clown world that we live in. Laugh as the tyrants. Laugh at them. Like Laugh as they make silly laws and do silly things. Use satire. Like, watch how Jesus responds to his enemies with satire point out the insanity you don't have to be nice but you have to be kind i went up to you be at peace with everyone but that doesn't mean that you fail to stand firm so laugh at the tyrants raise your glass high and toast no king but christ the true hope the one that gives us the true hope and the true freedom it can't come from anywhere else and so uh, we're going to go inside we're going to sing i think there's even a lyric in there that says 
toast no king but Christ. And then I'm going to throw the brats on the grill and we're going to feast for we are truly free men and free women. Amen.